There we go. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. Second Sunday of 2024, and we are off to an awesome start. Amen. We are, of course, our theme verse for the year, Luke 10, 2. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And so we're going to be uh, continuing to teach on that over the next several weeks. But we know that this is a great time to be alive and to be used by the Lord. Can we get an amen today? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, stand up together this morning and open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are, again, we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. And someone would say, well, that's not what I see. Well, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. And so we're going to keep doing this. But let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together today. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will... God give a mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Give the Lord some praise today. Amen. Well, we're going to take a few minutes this morning, just like we always do, to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets some love this morning. Let's go.
You free every captive and break every chain of God. Can you wave at me? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm really glad that you're here today, and I didn't get to hug your family, so. There we go. All right, very good. You know, it's, you just got to have that touch. Okay, careful. That was hot. Story of my life. Anyway, if you're with us for the very first time or the first time in a long time, can you raise your hand and wave at me? Thank you for being with us today. I'm so glad to have you. Miss Heather here is going to bring you some information about the church. If you fill out that info card and take it to the information booth after service, we have a gift that we would like to give you. And it also comes with some coffee. So that'll be cool. Very cool. Well, I'm glad that you're with us. Who's not with us today is our newest and latest church member, Mr. Caden Moore. Yes. Yes. So Annie and Colin, who are normally front row here by Pastor and Miss P, had their baby boy this week. Yes. So very, very excited about that. They will be with us soon. Praise God. Speaking of which, we are also, we, you know, we believe and be fruitful and multiply around here. So we have lots of babies to be dedicated. So if you have one of those babies that you would like to dedicate, there is a sign-up sheet at the information booth for the baby dedication service. So you can stop by there. You can ask any questions about baby dedication. And that will actually be January 28th at the 10 a.m. service. So last Sunday of the month, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. service, we will do baby dedications. Amen. Ushers, are you ready? <clears throat> Clipboard time, boys. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so financial piece is coming and membership class, which I'll talk about here in just Mailey, a second. Maylie, go ahead and put the announcements on the screen for me, honey. Um, all right. Maylie, I'm sorry. I'm going all over the place. <laughs> um, Cletus and Dave, if you could grab a couple of blessing bags yes. for me. Amen. So part of... Our really exciting additional campus at Midtown Mm -hmm. at 800 Yucca is the Enriched Food Pantry. And if you haven't participated in this yet, now is your chance. So if you are going out to lunch today or you're going to the grocery store today, I need you to raise your hand. Okay. 
Miss Donna wants a blessing bag. Thank you, Billy. Okay. <laughs> Billy wants a blessing bag. Oh, there we go. So what these are, these bags are full of quick food products that you are able to give when you're out and about. Mm -hmm. And we know in Barso there's no shortage of people who are in need. Amen. So we want to be able, as a church family, when we're out and about, to stop and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Can yes. I pray with you? Amen. It's important as the body of Christ that we make sure to serve Jesus by serving others. And this is a very, very quick way. So these bags are normally available every Sunday at the information booth. And you can just snatch one on your way out. You don't even have to ask anybody. Just yep. take a blessing bag and go. Amen. And then make sure that you're able to give it away that day. Okay? Amen. So blessing bags are important. Now, Bailey, I will try to follow announcements in order. <laughs> there you go. Which I don't normally do. A couple of housekeeping things. Um, we are really working to make sure that we don't stain the carpet any worse than what we've already done. Yes. You know, kind of like at your house. We try to clean it, but we already killed it, you know. Anyway, we're working on it. So do you and the Lord Almighty a favor and keep your coffee in the coffee bar. You may have water up here, but try not to do things like smash goldfish into the carpet, spill your coffee, Amen. bring a soda, you know. My personal favorite is gum on the carpet. Gum. We love that. We love it. Gum. No, I'm kidding. We don't love that. Gum. Oh, gum. There's stories along with that and our children, but we'll leave that for another day. There you go. In addition to that, the other housekeeping thing is the coffee bar in general. Um, we know that there are no walls in this sanctuary, really, except for the outside walls. And so there isn't any dividers, really, that are happening. But we would like to ask you to actively participate in worship mm -hmm. as the body of Christ Amen. and not sit in the coffee bar unless... Yes. You have a physical need, right? Like you have a disability or a situation that would cause you to need to be in the coffee bar. Mm -hmm. We want for you to be up here with us and to participate in the service. So it is easy at the coffee bar to get distracted or to get in a conversation and think that nobody's watching. Here's the thing. He's watching. There you go. And it's, it's kind of rude, you know what I'm saying? Amen. So we're going to be together, yeah? Yes. Okay, there's all the housekeeping things. Um, membership class is tonight. Yes, come on. Yes. And there is literally like 30 of you. I don't know how we're going to do this, but it is going to be fun. It's going to be a big party. I can tell you that. It'll yeah. be a big party. <laughs> and there's food. So if you haven't signed up for membership, but you want to know what the church believes and want to know what the next steps are to being a part of our family, yeah. um, feel free to come tonight. It is 4 to 7 o'clock. Snacks provided. There are snacks provided. Snacks are provided. And quality food. time and with Pastor Dave. Yes. Um, yes. And you'll get to meet all of our pastoral staff yeah. this evening. That's yeah. the first time that we actually get to do that. Yeah. Uh, we notice that sometimes... We, we go through it on paper, but then you don't know who is actually the pastoral staff here. There you go. So we'll get to meet all of them tonight, and we will go over all of our church history and what it is we believe. So if you have any questions about that or you'd like to be a part of that, there's, of course, no cost to it. Just sign up at the information booth. Mm -hmm. And any of you between 18 and 25? Yes. Anybody? Young adults. Anybody? Amen. 18 to 25? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... Officially, we officially are doing our first of the forever young adults there groups, you January yeah. 25th. Yes. It's been a long time coming, okay? A long time coming. January 25th at 7 p.m. 
Um, we are going to have young adults. However, we don't have a location for you yet, and we don't have an official, like, you know, when it's going to be every month. So we would like today to meet you in the coffee bar. Miss Rosalinda, whose face I'm not seeing, she's probably serving this morning. Probably in class. Um, she's in a class somewhere. Anyway, she will meet you in the coffee bar. So just if you are between 18 and 25 and you have an opinion, which we know you do, <laughs> meet in the coffee bar. Some okay? of you more than others. Meet in the coffee bar after <laughs> service this morning, and we will get your opinions and your feedback on what's going on, too. Um, Financial Peace University is coming yeah. on the 21st of this month. Yes. There is a clipboard um, passing. It's going around. It's in this section, which means this section already signed up. And there's the potential for you to not be passing a clipboard during worship, which makes me really happy. There you go. So Financial Peace University is for you to get your money going God's way, yes. for you to learn Amen. the word of God about money and how much the Lord cares about that part of your life and wants you to do well. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously... We do not think that everyone's going to be a millionaire. That is not what we preach here. However, when you do things God's way, he blesses that. Yes. So amen. we want you to be blessed. We want you to be able to be a blessing to others. And this is how you do that. This is also the class on how you learn to save and not live paycheck to paycheck and how you learn about retirement and what you're going to do next in life. So sign up. There is also a sign-up online, hdwc.org slash FPU. It will be on Sunday nights at 5.30 in Victory Hall. So it'll be running alongside of our Sunday night service. There is also child care for that as well. We do our best to make sure you have no excuses. There you go. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that that's all of it. That's Baby it. dedication sign-ups will be at the info, the info booth, booth after service. Amen. All right. Well, very good. We're going to go ahead and have Pastor come on up. Who knows what time it is now, everybody? Happy time. Amen. You're like, well, what's that? Well, 2 Corinthians 9 tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we get cheerful when we have a chance to give. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will give you one. And if you're going to do it online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lots of good things going on, huh? Uh, yes. Amen. Lots of good things going on. And... Uh, I'm 18 to 25 times two or three. So that means I get to go two or three times as much. If I don't want to, I'd, I'd rather be home. <laughs> Cozy. All right. Uh, hold up your hands. You need an envelope for your tithes, for your offerings. And open up your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. And I'm, I'm thinking about uh, what, what Pastor Katie talked about, about Financial Peace University. There's a natural side and there's a spiritual side. If you're going to succeed in life. And tonight, I'm going to be teaching tonight about how to live and navigate in the realm of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the words of the Bible. And so we're going to look at some words of the Bible here that the Holy Spirit inspired. So I like to say it this way sometimes. The Holy Spirit said... Because he did speak this through men. And if you want to succeed financially, 
Of course, you have to have good, you have to have good natural things you do. That you have to have a plan, a budget, and do things right. But God's spiritual laws never change. How many believers here have ever heard of the law of sowing and reaping? What you sow is what you reap. That's not only what you sow, but it's who you sow it to and how you sow it. At Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, I want you to look at this right here. This is God, Holy Spirit, talking to you and to me because he's speaking to believers. Let him that is taught in the word. How many people here get taught in the word of God here at this church? Let him that is taught of the word communicate, or that says share unto him that teacheth in all good things. He says when you're taught in the word, you need to share what you have where you're taught at. Be not deceived. Say this to me. Say, I will not be deceived. Not be deceived. Amen. You know, there's a whole lot more beatitudes than just a little bit Jesus talked about. This is another beatitude. Be not deceived. You've got to make a choice in life that when you hear the Bible taught, when you're studying the Bible yourself and God speaks you from the Bible, that you want to be a doer and not a hearer only. So he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap. Life everlasting. And I think about this. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I personally uh, have lived in a pretty serious realm for years about wanting to obey God and do what he wants me to do. I have never in my whole life bought one lottery ticket. I'm not a gambler. I go for the sure things. What do you give you a sure win? Bring you all your tithe to the storehouse and God will rebuke the devourer. That's called sowing to the spirit. Sowing to the flesh is, well, I only got a few bucks left, so I'm going to buy a ticket. Well, for me, if I had a few bucks left and I was at the end, I'd find some place to sow it that was good. I would get a sure return. God says when you sow to the Spirit, which means that the spiritual things said you'll reap from the Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to see my needs so the Holy Spirit can meet my needs. And then he looks and sees what I've sown. And he says right here, says you share in all good things before you're taught. Is that the Bible? Who said, who said that? The Holy Spirit said that. Written right here in the Bible. And then look at this, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. And the well-doing he's talking about is sowing and reaping financially. He says, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. It's so easy when you're a Christian because the, the devil try, tries to steal your money if he's already got your money because you're not a Christian, you're throwing it everywhere anyway. He doesn't try to get it. He's already got it. But you're a Christian and you go to a church like this that teaches about tithing, about love, about confession, how you talk and all those kind of things there, then it takes the fight of faith to be able to get what belongs to you. And so he says, be not weary and well doing for in due season. Does that say in your Bible, due season? I had a preacher say to me one time years ago when I was building a church building back in Indiana. We was looking at hard times. And he said, Pastor Samples, I want to tell you something. God wouldn't say due season if there wasn't a due season. And so for your lives, as we're looking at these verses right here, after that day, that becomes a real to me about a due season in the realm of the Spirit. 
it becomes very, very real to me. If my, if my electric bill's due on the 22nd, then that's got to be due season. Because God said we're supposed to pay our bills. If I got a car payment due on the first of the month, then that's due season. And so I take what the Word of God says, apply it to my life, and I say, because I sow in the Spirit, then in due season I reap from the Spirit what I need. Does this help anybody see things like this? Amen. And then the very last thing that he emphasizes this, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men except churchmen. No, he said, let us do it to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Of the household of faith. I'd like, I'd like to give into different things sometimes in the community and different things I see going on. Somebody has to go fund me, some things going on. But the first thing I'm going to make sure that I'm a part of is keeping the house of faith going. You, you keep the house of faith going, people like you, people watching out there, are going to get faith built up from hearing the Word of God taught. They're going to learn how to take authority over the devil in circumstances of life. They're going to learn how to love other people and how to talk right. And the more that the household of faith gets stronger, then the more finances are available to help other people that are in the household of faith. That's why I said, take care of the home first and then take care of other things. He didn't say, don't take care of other things. He said, do good unto all men. But he said, especially for the household of faith, take care of them, because this is where your strength comes from. Amen? And so let's make our financial faith confession. Let's stand up, get ready to give, make our financial faith confession, but always hold on to verses like this and just always confess, because I sow spiritually, I reap spiritually. Because I take care of God's house, God takes care of my house. Amen? You do those kind of things, and that's just totally Bible. That's agreeing with God. And when you're hooked up and you're partners with God, there's no way you're going to lose because God said you have a due season. And he said you shall reap if you don't quit. Amen? Well, let's make our financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give gifts in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. you want, you can join us at the altar for praise and worship. Drop off your offerings and let's just all worship the Lord together today. Let's sing.
Brianna sings for us, we're going to just repeat it right after her. So let's get ready to sing that with all my heart. With all my heart, I lift you up. Greater. Let it be greater. Let it be greater. Let it be stronger. 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 Let
Jesus, the Son of 
of the Lord this morning. Amen. You know, it's like my dad always says, I would rather be here than the best jail in all of Southern California. Amen. (laughs) I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of the Western United States or anywhere. Amen. So praise God. It's great to have everybody with us today. Now you'll have to excuse me. I'm working with a new pulpit this morning and to the average person that may not seem like a very big deal, but just imagine if you're a mechanic and you know, somebody gives you a new set of wrenches for that day and you have to use those tools in front of hundreds of people all at once for the first time. So anyway, cut me some slack. I've already been kicking this thing. If it tips over, Sheldon, you're going to be the guy to catch it, okay? You got me. All right. All right. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Amen. Well, we're going to have a great time. So check it out. We are going to be on part two of our new series for 2024, and it is called The Harvest is Great. Who knows that today? That the harvest is great, and you know, every year uh, we 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 develop a new theme uh, for the year. Not us, but uh, usually in November I, I, I go off and have some alone time with the Lord. I, I adapted this habit from my father, uh, who's always done this my whole life. But I'll go off for a few days, maybe a week, out into the woods, and you're like, man, what type of church did I walk into? It's okay, you know, I go out there because nobody can get a hold of me. Amen. Me and Jesus, and I'm the type of guy that could just sit on a stump and stare at trees all day long and be fine. I do not need any other human interaction. Uh, But I'm out there just praying about, Lord, what is it that High Desert Word Center needs to focus on for 2024? And, And we always want a theme verse that we can stand on in the new year. And so we do this as a church family, and I personally do it in my life. Every year I'm asking, God, what verse do I need to really 
focus on this year. And I, every year, he, he believe me, he speaks, and uh, and and I and I don't have to wonder about it. He lets me know, and 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 you you should know this too that the Holy Spirit can speak to you as well. Do you know that today? God's not dead right? He's alive. And if he spoke to people back in the Bible, guess what? Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus still speaks. The Holy Spirit will still speak to you. No, chances are you're not going to hear a booming voice out of heaven, but he is going to speak right here to your heart and let you know what you need to know. And I believe that with all of my heart. And so, as we're praying about it, this verse, which we, we quote it all the time anyway, but Luke 10, 2. Why don't we open up there this morning? Luke 10 and verse 2. And this is our theme and our vision for 2024. Luke 10 and verse 2 in the NLT. And while you're turning there, if you need an, um, an outline for the sermon, you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can kind of follow along. And uh, we got the verses on there and the main points we're going to make today. Amen. And some of you, sometimes I find these in the back. Some of you are great artists. You, you don't take good notes, but you doodle very, very well. And so that's a joke. Not really. Okay, so Luke 10, and we're going to look here at verse 2, Luke 10, 2. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Oh, you mean the 12 disciples? No, the 72. Uh, because not everybody knows that there's more than 12 disciples. In this chapter, uh, verse 1 tells us he had sent 72 out. And in 2024, well, there's a bunch of us that are disciples of Jesus. Not everybody that's a Christian is a disciple. Uh, that, you know, don't, don't believe that. But... There are people that take it a step further and they absolutely would do anything for Jesus. And they are disciples of Jesus. And so Luke 10 verse 2, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, amen, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so... Last week, uh, just a very quick recap of that, we kind of established the point that, well, first of all, what is the harvest? Is it a, you know, a, a downfall of, you know, a downpour of money into your life? Well, no. Uh, the harvest is people. It's souls. It is people coming in to the kingdom of God and receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the harvest. Amen. In fact, in the book of Psalms, he said, ask, and I will give the nations to you as your inheritance. And so that's what I'm looking for because I know I, you know, I, again, I'm not preaching against money. Don't think that, but, but check it out. I can't take money with me to heaven. You know that, right? You know, there's the old saying, you've never seen a U-Haul following the hearse to the cemetery. You can't take your stuff. You just can't. And, and you know, it's nice to have stuff. I like stuff. You know, uh, stuff's nice. Who likes stuff? Good stuff. You know, right? Stuff. Uh, we all like stuff. But I know this much that even the best stuff can't go with me. But what can I take to heaven with me? Amen. We can bring people that have received Jesus to heaven. Hallelujah. And so the harvest is great. And we also established last week, which we kind of studied uh, all of October and November, that 
it's undeniably the end times that the Bible prophesied about. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with that, well, you could go back and look at some of our messages from October and November. Uh, but here's the thing. On October 7th, we saw this invasion of Israel uh, from this terrorist group called Hamas. Now, I generally take somebody off when I speak about this, but it's okay. I'm good with that. I've even had people like decide they don't want to go here because we're totally for Israel. And that's fine. I can live with that. Because in the scripture, it repeatedly tells us, amen, that we need to stand on the side of Israel. And so we saw this attack happen. And, and lo and behold, over the next several weeks, even right here at High Desert Word Center, a Silt Mine Road in Barstow, there's enough people getting scared at what they see happening in the world that more and more people just began coming to church, which is great. That's a fantastic thing because what I'm saying is if you're standing outside and it's starting to downpour, at least have enough sense to step inside and get out of the rain. Amen. Don't sit there. Oh, this is terrible. Well, at least get in out of the rain and we'll figure this out. Amen. And so, you know, I, I love that we're seeing this. And so October, November, you know, over 30 people came up to the altar and gave their lives to the Lord. And here's the thing. At High Desert Word Center, we don't just try to get you to say a quick prayer and then smack you on the rear end and send you out the door. I wouldn't do that anyway, but I'm just saying, theoretically speaking. You know, like, hey, you said a prayer, you're good to go, man, you know, go do what you're going to do. No one cares now. That's not how we are. If you're going to give your life to Jesus, we're going to be there every step of the way. And so we've got tons of people in our spiritual personal trainer program because Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm rattling a thousand miles an hour right now, but Jesus said something in Matthew 28 before he went to heaven. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go get everybody to repeat a prayer and then say, no, he said, make disciples of all nations. That were his, that was his instructions. And so that's what we're trying to do here. I'm not trying to keep tally of how many people I can get to repeat a prayer off of a card. We're making disciples because disciples change the world. Disciples would die for their faith. You know what I'm talking about right now? And so that's our theme for this year. And the whole thing that we're trying to get across here is it's a serious time we live in. Now is the time to be outward focused, not only inward focused. And, you know, we, we, we gave this quote last week from John F. Kennedy, the president in the 1960s. And he said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I don't know, that's a brilliant quote. I love that. It's very inspirational. You know, I, I just, I get the feels every time I say it. Amen. But check it out. We're taking it a step further and, and we're saying this, don't just ask Jesus, what can you do for me? Why don't you ask Jesus, what can I do for you? Amen. When you get to this level of life, not only being about you and what you want and what everybody in the world can do for you, but when you can start saying, what can I do, Jesus, for you? What can I do? To spread the gospel to others, you're reaching a level of maturity. You are going to the next level. And someone would say, well, that doesn't sound very fun. I want what people can do for me. Check it out. You, don't, you will never know fulfillment in life. It will always be vain and shallow and empty as long as you're only living for yourself. But when you begin to start living for Jesus and for what you can do to help the people that he created, 
you'll start to find fulfillment. I can promise you that right now. That's a good spot to say amen. Okay, and so let's dive into the word here today. We're going to look at three points, and I pray that you'll follow along and listen up. Amen. And then we will uh, be on our way. But number one today is this. Number one, Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people. And this is literally the most basic and elementary level thing that we could say. Anybody that is a Christian or says they're a Christian would have to say, okay, yeah, I I get that. That is, yes, we all agree on that point. Hopefully we agree on that point. (laughs) You should agree on this point. I'm not stretching or going very deep here at all. This is very basic. Who knows this morning that Jesus loves people? Amen. Who in here could say that sometimes people annoy me? Okay, we got some honest people. Amen. All right, yeah. Let's just get real. Jesus loves everybody. Some people are very annoying, but that's okay because we're still called to love people, and we'll dig into that in a little bit. Let's go this morning to the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John three sixteen. This is the most famous verse in all of the Bible, and for very good reason. John three sixteen. And we're going to, we'll do it in the New King James here, but I'll probably start quoting it in the King James because that's what I've heard for the last 38 years. But that's okay. John 3, 16, let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Who knows that that's a whole lot of love to give your son up for a lot of people that hate you? I got to say, I mean, I just don't think that I could give up one of my children to pay the price for a bunch of other people's sins and mistakes. I love people. I don't love them enough to give my children up for them, though. Maybe I'm bad in that way, but I just don't. Uh, But God loved the world so much that he gave his son to pay the price for the dumb things that I did. That's a level of love that is beyond comprehension. In the book of Ephesians, Paul said, I pray that you would be able to comprehend the love of God, uh, how high it is, how wide it is, how deep it is, how God's love is. He said, but you'll never be able to fully comprehend it. And I can tell you this, I've studied the Bible every day of my life for a whole lot of years, and I don't fully understand the love of God. It is beyond my comprehension. I have scratched the surface of it, but there's no way that I fully have a grasp and a full understanding on what the love of God is. So why did Jesus even need to come and die for our sins? Because people are like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. But, But listen, why did Jesus need to die for you? Well, I'll tell you this, that every person in this room and every person ever born into this world has broken God's moral law. I have broken God's moral law. And so has everybody else in here. Well, you should know this, that God is a God of mercy, but God is also a God of justice. And when the law gets broken, hey, there's a price to pay. You know this, right? You know, I'll just throw myself under the bus here because, you know, I do that type of thing. But a couple years ago, I think it was 22, 
Pastor Dave was speeding, okay? I admit it. I was speeding. And it's not the first time that I've done it, okay? I've done it before, amen? I'm not going to say how frequently or by how much, but I was speeding. And uh, and so I, I was going down, you know, the road, and he pulled me over. And, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I did. I'm not going to sit here and debate. Well, you know, I did it. And I told him, man, whatever you, whatever is coming to me, I deserve. I'm not even going to try to, like, make an argument here. Give me the ticket. I own this. I deserve it. I broke the law. And so, you know, I, I got a ticket. And that's fine, you know. My insurance rates have suffered a little bit, but that's okay. I'm fine. I'm good. And, but, but here's the deal. I deserve what I have. I deserve what I got there. I totally deserve what I got because I broke the law and that's the way that it is. And so Romans 6, 23 says that the wages, the payment of sin is death. Oh man, I came to get encouraged today. That don't sound too encouraging. We'll get to the good news. But the truth of the matter is this, is that the wages of sin is death. Death is the payment that we have earned for our sins. And Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no forgiveness of sins. And so in Scripture, the way that sins were forgiven from the Old Testament is that blood had to be shed. So they would sacrifice a, a lamb or something back then to pay the price for the human being's sins. Well, that just, uh, the problem is with that is that it's a never-ending cycle, because that lamb's blood or whatever, you know, thank God for the sacrifice, but it was never good enough. And so Jesus Christ came, the sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God, and shed his blood for our sins. I committed the crime, he paid the price for it. You know, if you were to, to get a ticket and, and, and show up in court and say, hey, I'm guilty, I did it, but I cannot pay, the, I don't have it, I, I can't pay for that. You know, somebody else could come in, I've, I've actually done this before, and pay the price for your ticket, and the judge will just let you go free because, hey, you're guilty, but the price is paid so you can go free. That's what Jesus did. You're guilty. I'm guilty, but I didn't have what it took to pay the price for my sin. I couldn't afford what it cost. And so Jesus said, it's okay. I'll pay for it. Let him go and I'll pay for it. That doesn't sound very fair, does it? That I have done sinful, terrible things and Jesus gets beaten to a bloody pulp. Jesus goes to hell and I get to walk free. That's not fair at all, but that's the mercy and the grace of God. Don't tell me he doesn't love you. He loves you. He would leave 99 others that were perfect and hadn't strayed to chase you down into the ditch that you ran into and pull you out and save your life. That's love that I don't, I mean, that is mind-blowing. That is beyond comprehension how much he loves us. And so Isaiah the prophet, approximately 700 years before Jesus came to planet Earth, he had, uh, he had several visions. He, he, he envisioned the birth of Jesus, and then he envisioned and prophesied the death of Jesus. 700 years before Jesus was actually even here. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 52. Can we go there this morning? Isaiah chapter 52. Amen. Who knows that Jesus does love you? That's not just a sweet little song that we sing to the kids. This is the real deal. So Isaiah 52 
We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Isaiah 52, verses 14 and 15. And here's what Isaiah saw, and he writes it down. And now we have it in Scripture, but he's getting a vision of this Savior, this person paying the price for everybody's sins, and he calls it out hundreds of years in advance. Isaiah 52, verse 14 It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. What's this talking about? This is talking about Jesus Christ was beaten to pieces, beaten to a bloody pulp. Why? Because he loves you and he knew that you were going to have to face the price for your own sin. If he wouldn't do it, somebody was going to have to do it. And so Jesus came and literally died the most painful, excruciating death. I was even reading about it earlier this week that, I mean, crucifixion is basically the most torturous death that humans have ever invented for each other. Uh, You know, nowadays, if someone gets capital punishment, right, you know, not to get gruesome, they get a shot and they basically die a painless death in 30 seconds. No, this wasn't meant to be painless and quick. Crucifixion was meant to drag out for hours and hours and hours and hours, as long as they could, and make you die the most humiliating, painful, drug out death that they possibly could so people could point and laugh and cheer and eat popcorn. And it was just a big event, right? Everybody was watching. And so it was terrible. But Jesus did this. And then the next few verses tell us a little bit more. Uh, Prophesying of Jesus, it says, and he will startle many nations. There's people that are scared of Jesus. Kings will stand speechless in his presence for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. And then moving into chapter 53, next chapter, this is uh, uh, called a messianic prophecy, uh, the messianic chapter about Jesus' crucifixion. Skip down to verse three for the sake of time. I'd like to read the whole thing, but verse three, talking about Jesus, picture this. He, the perfect person, literally the best person that ever lived in the world, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Why in the world would anybody do this? Somebody would say, yeah, well, he's Jesus. He had to do it. His dad made him do it. No, listen, check it out. Jesus did not have to do this. He was not forced into it. He chose to do this. He chose to do this. He was pierced for my rebellion. I do something. Imagine this. Imagine this. Okay. We've got two people here. One person does something bad. We punch the other guy in the face. 
so the other person does something else bad, we punch this guy right in the stomach. This guy does something else really bad, we slap this guy. And everyone's like, this is not fair. This is not justice. Why don't we punch the guy that's doing all the bad things instead of torturing the, the, the guy? Well, that's what we've got here. We've got, you did something bad, Jesus got slapped for it. Jesus got beaten for it. Jesus got nailed to a cross for it. Jesus got hung naked in front of his mom and sisters and had people laugh and mock and spit and ridicule because I was so bad. What am I getting at? I'm getting at this. That takes a whole other level of love that we are just never going to fully get. But Jesus said in John 10, I I believe it's verse 18, he said, no man is taking my life. I'm volunteering my life. And so people argue, well, this is the group that killed Jesus. These guys are responsible. He's like, no, no, no. No one gets credit for killing me. I gave it away. And that's like if somebody, if you're giving somebody a gift and they grab it out of your hand, ha, I stole it. You're like, you didn't steal it. I gave it to you. That was a gift. Don't tell people you took. I just gave it to you. You can't, you can't steal from me if I'm giving it to you, right? And so Jesus, once and for all, settled it, the debate forever. Nobody took my life. I gave it away, okay? And then Jesus said this in the book of Luke. He said, listen, if I wanted to, I could call my dad right now. I could ask the father to send down six legions of angels to rescue me, okay? I could get out of this if I wanted to. I'm doing this of my own free will. I'm paying the price for everybody, even though I don't deserve it. And so would you say that perchance, we take the love of Jesus for granted sometimes and we don't fully value what he did. That's why I get mad. And, you know, I, I get mad when we're taking communion and people are joking. I had one guy flipping his cracker in the air. When I'm like, oh, my gosh, please don't do this to me. <laughs> and it's very hard to make me angry, but that'll make me angry. Why? Because I don't fully understand it, but I do know that Jesus came and died the most brutal, torturous death ever. And all he said was, hey, when you do this communion thing, could you do it in remembrance of me? And so I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I don't have it all together. I can do that. I can show respect for five minutes when we remember what you did, Jesus. And so it's a serious thing that Jesus loved us that much. And oftentimes we don't fully value that. So he went to hell for us. Yeah, there's a lot of people that won't even go to church for him. I got a clip on, I'm just gonna drop this right. No, I'm not gonna drop. But seriously, he went to hell for me. I can't even like show up in the morning with a cup of coffee and a Bible and say, okay, Jesus, I'll give you five minutes. You know, let me talk to you first before I check my sports app or before I get on Instagram. Why don't I give Jesus the first few minutes? You know what I mean? Because he did go to hell for us. And that's a really, really big deal that I don't ever want to lose sight of. Amen. We need to value the love of Jesus. And I'm aware that I can't pay him back. I know that. The debt is too great. I can't pay him back. 
but I can live my life for him the best that I can and try to obey his word. Who knows that that's the truth this morning, amen? All right? And so I wanna go to point number two, and it's this. Okay, number one, Jesus loves people. Number two, we should love people. He told us to. He told us to love people. And uh, to be honest, there's a lot of Christians that don't really love other people. Now, of course, nobody in the world is going to admit that. I don't know anybody that would say, okay, I admit it. <laughs> but the truth is, is that many times we don't really love other people. Life tends to be about ourselves. And I'm sure I'm getting annoying at this point by continuously preaching on selfishness lately, but it's probably going to get worse over the next few weeks, okay? So I'm just giving you a heads up. But we're at an important point in this world where uh, if all the Christians, the ones that actually have the light, are just keeping it to themselves, we're doomed. People need to know the truth. People need to know the good news that Jesus does love them, that Jesus did pay the price for their sins, and that it is possible for them to be forgiven and to go to heaven when this is all said and done. Who knows that this morning? You've got the best news ever in the history of the world. I remember like a month ago, Circle K was doing this deal where for like two hours only, they were giving out these free 20 cent off a gallon cards. Everybody was online, get to Circle K now. I've got the best news ever, 20 cents off per gallon. Everybody was spreading the good news. I'm like, that's great, okay, hear me out. I drive a lot. I go to Victorville and back twice every day, 150 miles, five days a week. We use a lot of fuel. 20 cents off a gallon is great. And I want all my homies to know that 20 cents off is available. But hear me out. Hear me out. That wasn't the funny part, all right? Actually, none none of this is funny. None of this is meant to be funny, all right? But check it out. How many people are like, I've got the best news ever. 20 cents off a gallon if you act now. Come on, everybody ought to get this. Okay, you know what's more important than 20 cents off a gallon? That you're, yeah, that Jesus made the way for your rear end to not burn in hell? Why don't we tell somebody about that? I'm just, I'm just saying, that was really good news. I, I appreciate the 20 cents off a gallon. That is very good news. But what's even better news is that Jesus loves me, paid the price for my sins, amen? And not only, amen, not only will he make an incredible life in heaven, but I don't have to live in hell on earth until I get to heaven. I can have peace on earth. I can have the joy of the Lord. I can be healed. I can have, amen, Jesus made a way for life to be really good even here on earth before I even get to heaven. Why don't we tell people about that with the same passion that we have about Circle K gasoline, amen? I I don't know. John 13, let's go to John 13 if we could this morning, amen. John 13 but I want to have the heart of Jesus. I want to see people how Jesus sees them and treat them how he treats them. Amen? So John 13, we're going to look at verses 34 through 35. John 13, 
verses 34 through 35. And so here's what Jesus said. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Oh, okay, a new one. What's this new commandment? Love each other. Love each other. Uh, but Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll love people, but I'm going to love them according to my definition of love. Well, no, the, Jesus went on and said, no, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Well, how did Jesus love you? Does Jesus dangle all of your past mistakes and failures over your head? Does he say, hey, I remember the time that you did this, huh? I remember that time when you screwed up and let everybody down. Does Jesus do that? No. Why in the world would you do that to somebody? That's awful. That's terrible to dig up somebody's past sins and mistakes and, and to bring it up in front of them. That is ungodly. And so Jesus said, the same way that I have loved you, that's how you're to love each other. And then he said in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So do people know I'm a disciple of Jesus just because I go to church? No, you should definitely go to church. Disciples would do that. Uh, well, well, people know that I'm a disciple of Jesus if I have the biggest, nicest house in Barstow? No, that's a, you know, whatever, that's fine. But no. People will know that I'm a disciple if I love others. And so I don't ever see somebody that's a mean, gnarly, nasty jerk and say, wow, they must be a disciple. They are so mean. Wow. That's a, definitely a disciple of Jesus. They are dead. Wow. Uh, I want to be like that. No. But I do see people that are full of the love of God, the truth of God, the love of God. And I think, man, they must follow Jesus. There's no way that you have that type of love if you are not a disciple of Jesus. People will know that you're a disciple if you love each other. That's a really good spot to say amen as well. Amen. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. And so... We got to know this. I believe sometimes when we preach on topics like this, I try very hard to not paint these uh, unrealistic, you know, like, well, if we all just do this, we could, you know, we could change the world. You know, that's a great thing. But what I'm saying is this. I don't believe that Jesus is asking you personally to change the entire world by yourself because that's just, you know, probably not going to happen. But he is asking you to change your little part of the world. He is asking you to reach who you can reach. And I, I, there's a story that I've, that I've, uh, I, I've heard, and I, I want to share it today because I think it kind of gets this point across. But there was this old man who used to go down to the, to the ocean every morning to, to do his writing. And he had a habit of just walking down the beach uh, before he would begin to sit down and write his thoughts and everything out. Well, early one morning, he was walking along the shore there after a big storm had passed and come through. And he found the, the vast beach there just littered with starfish as far as the eye could see in both directions. Thousands and thousands had washed upon shore. Well, off in the distance, he sees this, you know, young boy, you know, coming down the way. And, and he sees the boy picking things up and throwing them. And he's like, what's this kid doing? Well, he, the kid gets closer and he sees that this little boy is 
picking up one starfish at a time, throwing it back into the water. And, and so the old man says, good morning. Can I ask what you're doing there, man? What's, what's going on? And the boy paused and looked up and said, I'm just throwing these starfish back into the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach, and they can't get back out to the water by themselves. And when the sun gets high, they're going to die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, well, there's tens of thousands on the beach here. I'm afraid you won't really be able to make much of a difference. The little boy smiled and picked one more up, threw it out into the water, and he said, it made a difference to that one. And for us, listen, I get it. I'm not going to personally reach all 7 billion people on planet Earth with myself, but I can reach some people here in Barstow and in this area. And, and amen? I, I can't reach the whole planet personally, but I do have a certain level of reach that I have. And so he's not asking you to reach everybody on your own, but he is asking you to reach who you can reach. There are people you can reach. I don't know about that. The harvest is great, but there's just not enough people doing the work. That's what Jesus said. The workers are few. And so what does that mean? We need to get out into the harvest field and start getting the job done. Look here at Luke chapter 10. Let's go Luke 10 verses 25 through 37. Luke 10 25 through 37. This is a very well-known story in scripture. This is the story of the good Samaritan. Who in here has ever heard the story of the good Samaritan? Okay. And so the story of the good Samaritan, this is an important story. And I, I, I want you to get a hold of this today. And so Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 25 through 37. And so Jesus always had religious people coming up and trying to trip him up with things. And, you know, it's just a round and round deal. But Luke 10, 25, one day an expert in religious law. Check it out. The word expert means less to me than it ever has before over the last four years. Anyway, all right, I'm just going to, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his action, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Huh? Gotcha! And so that's how many people like, hey, who's my neighbor? Is it the person next door? Well, Jesus goes in to this mind-blowing story at the time. You've heard it, and so you're like, yeah, I've heard that my whole life, whatever. No, Jesus goes in to this story that they didn't see coming, and it's awesome. Look at this, verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Who thinks that is a bad day right there? You're just minding your own business. They beat you up, stripped you naked, and left you beside the road. Bad day. I've had some bad days. I haven't had a bad day like that. All right. And so, verse 31, by chance, 
a priest came along. And so I'm thinking, man, this is good news. If I'm beaten up and have been robbed, thank God, here comes a preacher. If anyone's going to help, it's going to be the preacher. Well, look, uh, what happens? But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Wow, that's bad. Verse 32, then a temple assistant, so someone that works at the church, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Verse 34, then a despised Samaritan came along. And so the people hearing this story, they're like, oh, great. If the temple people wouldn't help, the absolute worst person that could come would be a Samaritan. Why? Well, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other's guts. <laughs> That's just the fact of the matter. They're like, if anybody you don't want to see right here, the Samaritan will probably just kick him again and take what he's got left. But look what happens. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a good neighbor? State Farm, is there? No. To the man, to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now you go and do the same. Woo, what a story, man. Think about this. This Samaritan guy, you know, he probably had run-ins. He had probably, it was just a known fact, these guys hated each other. This, this, uh, this whole story to the people of this time is mind-blowing. But what's the point of this whole story? Love. Love God and love people. Those are your two commandments as a New Testament Christian. If I love God, I will put no other idols before him. I won't use his name as a cuss word and use it in vain. You do know that using God's name in vain, I don't, we don't talk about this anymore, but it's blasphemy. Under the Old Testament, it was punishable by death. And now we have something happen and we just throw God's name out in vain. That's a very serious sin. Very real thing. I just, you know, think about that. But I would quit saying things like, oh my ugh. Use another word, you know, use, use my name, use somebody else's name. Please demean my name and rub it in the dirt. Don't do it to God's name. That's a very bad thing. And so here we have this situation and the Samaritan is the one that helps. Why? Because he has the love of God in his heart. And so I'll tell you this today, loving other people can be extremely inconvenient. Well, I would help. I seriously, don't get me wrong. I would help, but, but uh, you know, Monday night football is on Monday nights, and I couldn't give that up. I would help, but uh, you know, I tell you what, man. You know, uh, it's, it's it's windy outside. Listen, I watched last night on TV for the. I didn't even want to watch the football game. I wanted to see the idiots there. I'm seriously. 
listen, I paid $5.99 for Peacock. I'm going to cancel it today. But anyway, I, I, I paid the $5.99 because I was certain that in the football game last night, the game time temperature was negative 7. The wind chill was negative 28 degrees. And I knew it. I knew it. That there would, it would be a, a sold-out stadium, packed out, all right? I'm not, you know, more power to you. I got nothing wrong. I grew up in a very cold, cold climate, and I can tell you what negative 28 feels like. It's awful. It's torture. I hated it. That's why I live out here in the desert now, okay? I hated it. It was the worst thing I've ever been through was being, I had to work at the airport in Indianapolis at FedEx. It was 30, 33 degrees below zero one time, and I had to go to work. I hated it, and I said, I am leaving this place and never returning. And uh, anyway, and so I can tell you that it's not fun. There's no way in the world I would go out there for a dead pig and voluntarily spend my time out there. But I, I observed the game, if any of you did. I'm not knocking football. Football's great. I play a lot of fantasy football. It's wonderful. But check it out. There were literally grown men out there with their shirts off, beating their chest, painting their faces, dancing in circles, and they were hailed as heroes for the cause. Oh, yeah. You know, again, again, I'm just saying. And, and here we have, you know, I'm just saying, you get things like, Man, the sanctuary was, uh, was 64 degrees. I just can't come and sit in 64 degrees. <laughs> it's windy outside. It's, you know, it's whatever. And I'm like, listen, if that maniac I saw last night could go in negative 30 and paint his chest and look like a wild animal for his cause, I could probably cut Jesus an hour or two each week and say, okay, it's a little hot, it's a little cold, it's a little whatever, but I got you, Jesus. I will show up for you. Now, mark this down. I'm not asking any of you to paint your chest, you know, rip your hair out. I'm not asking that, okay? All right? We don't want that. I don't want that type of love. But I am, I am saying just listen. If you believe in it, you'll show up for the cause, won't you? No matter what, you'll show up for the cause. And so this is a very real thing. So what this story, it's all about love. And I'll tell you this, that chances are you're not going to see someone who got jumped for their donkey and they've been beaten on the side of the dirt road, you know, in 2024. But I will tell you this, there's about a 100% chance that everybody in this room and even people watching online, there's about a 100% chance that this year you are going to find someone who has been beaten and broken by life. They feel hopeless. They feel suicidal. They have no idea what the next step is. They are crying and begging for mercy. And you're going to have that chance to reach them. I just tell you that right now. And it's probably going to be very inconvenient. It's probably not going to be the day that you're sitting on your couch like, man, I've got, really, I've got nothing to do. I'm going to go look for hopeless people. I'm going to go find the saddest person I can find, and I'm going to pray for them. Listen, there is never a moment out of 365 days a year that I'm sitting around with nothing to do. All right? And I know you're like that, too. There's always, there's never a day. Now, there's days that I choose to do nothing. You know, I love those days. I, you know, I will sit down, plant it on the couch, and watch Bonanza. 
and just have a day to myself. Well, a few hours, and I love those days. I love it. But what's Bonanza? Okay, outside I'm 38, inside I'm about 95, okay? I like, I only watch old television shows because I'm very, very old. But listen, there's never a day that I'm just sitting there like, man, there's just nothing to do. You know, when Pastor Katie and I got married, we were 19, I worked a five-day work week, and one of the days I had, we didn't have kids, had a very small church, and I literally did have free time. It was, it was insane. Does anybody remember when you had free time? Like, I just, that is mind-blowing. I, I, I mean, I just can't even fathom this. But I had Fridays off, and she still had to work. And so there was a point in time when I was sitting around, you know, there wasn't much to clean up after. It was just the two of us. We didn't have kids. So literally on Fridays, I had nothing to do. It was insane. And so literally I would get up and go to the store and look for sad people and pray for them. That did happen at one point in life, but that is, I don't have the time for that anymore like that. But I do know this much. I will have chances probably every day to find somebody that is desperate for, 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 a, for something from God. But I also know this. It will almost always be inconvenient. You may just want to write that down because some of you are going to hear, God, I think you're telling me to do this, but this is really inconvenient because it's going to interfere with what I want to do today. God will give you chances to help people. It will probably be inconvenient. And at times it can be expensive. This guy, he took him there. He paid for his place to stay. He even gave him extra money and said, hey, uh, you know, use this to take care of him. And if it costs more, just tell me next time, put it on my tab and I'll pay the rest of it. Like, wow, how many people have that same attitude right now? The harvest is great. Jesus said it. But we need to know that the harvest means work. I told you last week, I've got older brothers that are farmers and in harvest season, Dude, they sometimes work like 20 hours a day. I mean, it, it's, it, they work a dangerous amount of hours to get the harvest in. Why? Because you only have a short period of time and then it goes bad. And everything you worked for is no good. Well, the harvest right now, it's harvest season, but the window is closing because Jesus will come back and pull us out of here. And then it's, it's all over with. You don't have much time to reach people. Well, I'm no, I'm no preacher. Just show the love of God. Show the love of God. And so in this situation, this guy took care of the immediate needs, and then he got him to a place that could bring deeper healing. Find somebody. Pray for them at work, at school, at the store, whatever. And listen, bring them in here, all right? We'll help them. We'll do what we can do. We'll pray for them. We'll, we'll show them. We'll teach them faith. If you're like, well, I don't know all that. Well, neither do I, but I'm, we're trying, okay? <laughs> so get them in here, and we'll do the best we can to bring them to a deeper level of healing and everything that the Lord has for them. Can we get an amen today on that? Amen? And so the last thing I'm going to tell you today is this. Number three, you have to want the harvest. You got to want this because I found this out that we could bring a, a, a you know, a, a different verse out for the new year that says, you know, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And everybody would be like, whoa, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then those that are, you know, not so passionate, you hear a verse like this, 
okay, I get it, but my gosh, dude, what about me? What about, you know, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like you're asking us to like, uh, you know, do some things this year. You're catching on. You're, ca- you're starting to catch on. <laughs> We're going to get there. But listen, yeah, this verse isn't all about you. This one's about you helping other people. This verse is about you participating and bringing in the harvest that Jesus died for. That's what this is all about. And so until you start to have a desire for something to happen, you won't make any effort to make any changes in your life. You know this, if you want to get in shape, you'll put in the effort even if you don't feel like it because your desire outweighs your comfort. When you desire to see people go to heaven, when that desire outweighs your own personal comfort, you'll start wanting to do something for God. Until that point in time, you probably don't want to really do much. And that's just, again, we're, we're just speaking facts here. We're not trying to make anybody feel guilty. Low key, I am. Matthew 24, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, let's go. Last verse, come on, let's do it. Matthew chapter 24. Who's still excited today? Matthew 24, verse 14. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. And this is a wonderful chapter. Read the whole thing when you got time. Jesus giving us play by play what it's going to look like right before he returns. But check this one out. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And Jesus says something very key to where we're at right now. Matthew 24, 14, he said, and the good news or the gospel about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. And so Jesus is telling us right here that every nation, well, what's nation? We told you that last week. That's not talking about a geographical boundary location. The uh, nation is a people groups, ethnic groups, people. When, when, when every nation has heard the gospel, then the end will come. And I can tell you, we are more close to this than we have ever been before, ever. We are so close. And I hear all these different statistics, and so I'm not going to throw stats out there on, on that. But I can tell you, we are very, very close. Here's something interesting I read a couple of years ago. 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 72% of the world has seen a can of Coca-Cola. 51% of the world has tasted a can of Coca-Cola. Now here's the deal. Coca-Cola has only been around for 130 years. You're like, well, that's really long. Okay, well, Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. And so if in 130 years' time, the people of Coca-Cola can reach 97% of the world with their message, how in the world did we have 2,000 years and we haven't gotten this thing done yet? Why? Well, one could argue, I'm not saying it, one could argue that the people of Coca-Cola are more passionate and believe in their product a lot more than some Christians believe in their 
What if we just paid the people of Coca-Cola and said, okay, we'll send all the tithes to you, get the message out for us because we're, we don't, we don't, we're not that passionate. The, you know what? We'd probably be in heaven already right now. I wouldn't have to deal with the wind, the cold, the rain, or nasty people ever again. I'd be in heaven already. Because Jesus said, hey, when everybody's had a chance to hear it, then the end will come. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And so we're going to just wind it down with that, okay? <laughs> what a bad place to end. No, we're going to bring it in for a landing here. But what I'm telling you is this. Check it out. Listen. The harvest is great. Everywhere you look, there's hurting people. And, and when we see that, some are like, man, this world's a bad place. Okay, yeah, it's a bad place. But guess what? We have the answer. We do. To every situation. And someone would say, well, I don't know about that. Jesus is the answer for broken marriages. Jesus is the answer for depression, for hatred, for sickness, for any problem that you can come up with. Jesus is the answer to it. And so what do we got to do? We've got to get that message out. And I'm not asking you to, you know, fly over to Timbuktu and, and, you know, unless God tells you to. All we're saying is you don't have to go that far to find somebody that's hurting and lost. You can find them right here, 92311. They're here. So Jesus asked us to get out to the field and start bringing in the harvest. And that's what we're going to focus on in 2024. We'll dig deeper in the coming weeks. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Oh, man, I had one more thing. I had one more thing. I keep doing this. Put this quote on the screen. I want you to get a hold of this, and then you should write this down. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. That hit me when I read that. I was like, wow. So what if I succeed at something really like, you know, I had the most Instagram followers in Barstow. Woo! Was, well, I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say, you know what? I wasn't going to let you in, but you had like 1.2 million likes. So come on in. It doesn't matter. What matters is raising my family right. Reaching people in Barstow. What we need to have in 2024 is the same passion that every female in America has for a Stanley Cup. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Amen. But listen, we need to have a passion for what Jesus has a passion about. And when we do, we're going to get this job done a whole lot quicker, and he's going to come back and we're going to be in heaven. Amen? Let's stand up together today, and we'll call it quits right there. All right, that was ending number two. I'll see if I can squeeze the third one out here in a minute. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, as we do every week, I've been praying for you all week long. I pray for this moment all week long, because I know this two minutes here is the most important two minutes of our entire week. And it's this. On a Sunday morning when, you know, we've got the most people here, when we give you the chance 
to get things right with God. And someone said, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I, I mean, I've been going to church for longer than you've been alive, man. Good for you. Going to church does not get you into heaven. Uh, it's a very good thing that people that are going to heaven should want to do, but that's not what gets me to heaven. Well, my grandma, man, you should have seen her. She was a prayer warrior. So good for grandma. What about you? You see, we all have to answer to God and give an account for our own life. Okay, you're not, don't worry, you're not going to have to give an account for my life. I'm going to have to do that. And you're going to have to give an account for your life. You will stand before your maker someday and you're going to have to answer. What did you do about what I did with my son? Did you receive that and live for him or did it not matter to you? And you're going to have to answer that question. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I believe that, but I just, whatever. No. Did you receive Jesus? There's only one way to heaven. I don't care who tells you different. It's a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Well, that doesn't sound very fair. No, here's the good news. is that everybody can come to him. It's not an exclusive club. It's the most inclusive thing ever. Everybody can come. You just got to go the same way. You got to go through Jesus. But he came for everybody. And so... We're going to pray a prayer together today because Jesus said, and well, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul wrote it, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we're going to give you the best chance you'll ever have in your entire life today. We're going to lead you in a prayer for Jesus. And if you actually pray it and believe it, this is your chance to get things right with God. But we also know this much. A lot of people have too much pride to admit they need him. I'm just going to tell you right now, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. I I need him every day. Well, that's a crutch. Okay, Jesus isn't my crutch. He's my stretcher and my ambulance. He is carrying me through life. Okay? He's more than a crutch. I am nothing. I am helpless without him. Let's pray this prayer together today. Amen. Can we bow our heads? And close our eyes together and say this. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. All right, this is Jose coming up right here. And Jose is in charge of our spiritual personal trainer program, SPT. And so what is that? Well, if you are interested and you could say, yeah, man, I I need some help. Well, we will connect you with somebody else from church here for the next 30 days, the next four weeks. That will be a spiritual personal trainer. They're going to text you some Bible verses every day. They're going to be praying for you. They got a devotion they're going to send to you. You want to sit down and talk, they're going to sit down and talk with you. We're going to do everything we can to help you make it in life. The best thing we can do is bring you to Jesus and then show you how to live for him. The worst thing I could do is just, well, here's a bunch of money. Here's a bunch of this. You know, that's not what you need. 
You need Jesus, and we're going to do the best thing that we can to get you to him, all right? If you prayed that prayer today, and this is your moment of coming to Jesus, or it's your moment of coming back to Jesus, because maybe you had walked away for a minute. Okay, listen, we're not here to judge that. We're here to say, great, welcome home. Let's fix this. I'm going to ask you while we're praying for others up here, go to Jose, give him your information. We will connect you with somebody this week, and we are going to be in the trenches with you doing everything we can to help you make it. Amen. Can I have my prayer team come on up this morning? If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, uh, you know, your health, your whatever, uh, your life. If you need prayer for anything at all, this is our prayer team. We want to pray for you and watch God work in your life. If you don't need prayer, good for you. Other people do. So worship God where you're at or pray for those coming forward. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship this morning. Let's give God a few more minutes before we close out. Amen. You call the sun to Oh
Jesus, the Son of God, hung on a cross to die. Not even death itself could hold you down. Before you rose to such an awesome God, so mighty, so She'll get your name down. Are you trying to tell me something? Okay, and if you're going to be uh, uh, having the kids go to nursery or to the uh, children's church for, during membership class, you can check them in right at the back door here. We'll have a check-in station there. That way you don't have to walk so far. But 4 to 7 p.m., and it's going to be 
absolutely awesome. Amen. We want you to be there. So that's membership class. And of course, service will be in here tonight uh, from six uh, at six o'clock. All right. So good news. Amen. Let's go ahead. We're going to close down in prayer and then do our Barstow faith confession. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands together today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your love. It, it is beyond anything that we deserve, Lord, but we thank you by your grace. You love us and forgive us and give us another chance. Help us, Lord, uh, to, to show that same love to those around us, to those that you bring into our life, and we thank you that the harvest is great. And we are going to be used by you this year to bring in the harvest. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen today? Hallelujah. All right. Let's do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you are dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.